this is the in focus podcast from the hindu welcome to the hindus in focus podcast i'm zubeda hamid your host for today over the past few weeks the debate on population control in india has been reignited Uttar Pradesh, the most populous state in the country, has introduced a draft bill that says that those with more than two children will be debarred from government-sponsored welfare schemes and from contesting in elections to local bodies, while incentives for those who adhere to the two-child norm include subsidies to buy land and build houses. Assam's chief minister recently advised the minority community to adopt decent population control measures, and calls have come from Karnataka too for the adoption of a two-child policy. Even while data shows us that India's fertility rate is declining, our population is set to grow and to overtake China by 2027 or earlier. But do we need a two-child policy? Do such government regulations on family size work? How have other countries, especially those in Asia, explored population stabilization measures? To speak to us about family planning in India and what the best ways to address population stabilization are, we have with us today Poonam Mutreja. executive director population foundation of india good morning poonam mutreja and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast india's total fertility rate the number of children a woman will potentially have in her lifetime is 2.2 just slightly higher than the replacement level of 2.1 a point at which the population exactly replaces itself Yet the country's population is projected to grow and to overtake China's by 2027 or possibly earlier leading to fears that our resources will not be able to support our people is there any basis to the fears of population explosion in India I believe there is no evidence of population explosion in India the decadal growth decadal growth uh, rate reduced between 2001 2011 and further reduced uh, it reduced to 7.17.7 percent uh, from 21.5 percent in 1991 2001 and i'm referring to the census as you can imagine also india's total fertility rate has declined substantially from 3.2 in 2000 to 2.2 um um uh, in uh, 2020 2018 sorry which was when the registration uh, the sample registration survey took place also data from phase 1 of the nfhs which is national family health survey 5 um, which was uh, announced in tw- done in 2019 2020 suggests that of the 17 surveyed states and five uh, union territories that were also surveyed only bihar manipur and meghalaya are yet to achieve a total fertility rate of 2.1 or less the data for up hasn't come out but uh, because of the covid um, but it will come out very soon uh, as soon as the health ministry releases it and 
my estimate and the estimate of several demographers is it will be close to 2.4. So a substantive decrease in UP2. And overall, uh, India is expected to reach its peak population uh, of 1.6 billion. Uh, right now, it's close to uh, 1.35 billion. And by 2048, followed by a steep decline, bringing the population to 1.1 billion and total fertility rate to 1.3 in 2100. So we are on a decline. We are just like other countries have experienced. And when the country is on such a fast decline and most of the country has had um, um, have met the ta- uh, the goal set which was 2.1 which is the replacement level which means the popular uh, women have as many this is the maximum number of uh, children a woman has and um, the replacement level is taking so we are what what Given the data, why are we saying there's a population explosion, population control needs to be done? Yes, if you want to call population stabilization, population control, I totally understand. But don't look at it as explosion. Ma'am, the two-child norm as government policy has now been introduced by several states over the years with disincentives for those who have had more than two children. Uttar Pradesh is the latest with its draft bill. There are calls in Karnataka now. And Assam CM has advised the minority community to adopt decent population control measures. They are also now rolling out a slew of family planning measures. This gives disincentives to those who have more than two children and incentives to those who have two children or less. Is there any evidence from any state so far to show that a two-child policy works? Unfortunately, there's no evidence to show uh, two-child policy works. In fact, there is, but there is some evidence to show it doesn't work, not just in India, but in China, which is the only other country which has had coercive uh, population policies. First one-child norm, then two-child norm, and now they made it three-child norm. So let me come to that later, and let me start with um, uh, the first part of your question, uh, uh, where I said there is no evidence very clearly uh, that a two-child norm works. In fact, two-child norm policies are known to disproportionately impact the most vulnerable, particularly women and girls, who who who, who already have little no or no choice and, and uh, access, sorry, uh, to health and education services. The COVID-19 pandemic too and subsequent lockdowns and restrictions have compounded the inequities and the vulnerabilities of the most mar- marginalized, um, um, uh, uh, such as those proposed in, because due to actions such as those proposed in this draft bill, will further increase inequalities and impact the poorest. So there's been a huge negative impact of COVID-19 and these policies will further impact and increase um, the inequalities faced by the poor. In the case of um, the UP draft bill, the incentive proposed such as maternity leave increments are inaccessible to, in any case, 80% of the female workforce who are employed in the informal sector. Uh, 
A five-state study uh, uh, was done by Nirmala Butch, who's a very senior Indian administrative officer, um, IS officer from Madhya Pradesh. Uh, She found uh, that in the states that adopted a two-child policy, and this was adopted for only panchayats uh, at that point of time, which is some two decades ago, there was a rise in sex selection. This is her uh, uh, the outcome uh, uh, as per Nirmala Butch's uh, study was that there was a rise in sex selective and unsafe abortions. Men divorced their wives to run for local body elections and families gave up children for adoption so that to avoid um, a disqualification. Now, population control measures can lead to an increase in sex-selective practices and unsafe abortions, given the strong, also given the strong sun preference in India. It has been witnessed in few states in the past, and China, of course, gave up uh, the one and two child norm. One of the primary reasons was uh, the sex-selective practices and uh, and abortions uh, due to sun preference in China too. But India has a worse situation where where as fertility is declining, in any case, our sex ratios are getting adverse. But if we implement this two-child policy and when we implement this two-child policy as it happened in the past, in addition to already existing adverse sex ratios, we will have much worse ratios and many more unsafe abortions. At least in China, they don't have unsafe abortion. They have abortions and they good. All the abortions are in the health facilities, while in our case, 90% of the um, uh, abortions are done by unqualified uh, professionals um, and many of them in the back alleys in villages and uh, small towns and cities. So, and India, what is the reason I think it is going to be worse than China if we put in a two-child policy is because in India we don't, we, we have son aversion, but we also have daughter a son preference, sorry, but we also have daughter aversion. We don't like giving birth to babies, whether it's dowry or social norms, patriarchy. There is a huge um, issue in India, which is worse than China. And, you know, the as I said earlier, uh, the reversal of the two-child policy in China uh, this year is proof of the inefficiency of coercive uh, policies. You know, in China, they don't do a U-turn easily on a policy. They must have done a lot of thinking and seen the data, not only adverse sex ratio, but they also have this problem, demographic disaster, where they have abnormally high male uh, not only abnormally high male to female sex ratio, uh, but also an aging population. Today, it faces a workforce crisis, which will have a deep impact on its con- economy. While India is at a huge advantage at this point of time with a large young population, instead of getting distracted with coercive policies which don't work, we should be focusing not just on giving family planning services to the women who need, but uh, we should be creating jobs for young people, which uh, 
<coughs> which China did by educating them, by skilling them and by focusing on their economy too. Look at the Indian economy, what a state we are in. So we are going to have also, while we have the demographic um, uh, uh, opportunity, uh, what is called dividend, demographic dividend, it could turn into a demographic disaster uh, in a couple of decades if we don't pay serious attention now and we get it wrong and we do all the wrong things even on population stabilization, which is much needed. We need population stabilization. But the fear of explosion, population explosion and all of that is not going to get us anywhere. And in any case, you know, the NFHS data shows that fertility rates in most of the states um, have declined. Ma'am, you spoke about population stabilization. India has had a somewhat difficult history with family planning methods. Female sterilization continues to be the most used method, while usage of other methods such as male sterilization, condoms and pills, etc., continues to be very low. Could you give us an overview of the government's family planning measures since independence and talk to us about gaps, if any, that need to be addressed? Yeah. So India was the first country to formulate a national family planning uh, uh, program, which was in 1952. Uh, we've come a long way since in the inception of the program. And the forced sterilization during emergency, which you referred to, um, uh, was a setback to the family planning program in the country. In fact, I would like to say a huge setback which had its impact and uh, for a very, very, very uh, long time. Um, the compulsory and coercive nature of the program during 1975 and 76 made it highly unpopular. Many myths and mis uh, sorry, very uh, unpopular. And it is said that Mrs. Gandhi and the Congress Party lost elections because the country was not willing to tolerate uh, coercion. Uh, India is a democracy. India is not China. We should always remember that. And we should also remember that this is politically destabilizing uh, population control. And of course, there was issue that, you know, it was really men who were force forcefully sterilized. So, you know, in a patriarchal society, you touch the men and the gun for you, but the women, you can keep on uh, giving them forced sterilization and it doesn't become such a big issue. So that's a, that there's a difference. Um, gender <laughs> divide and uh, absolute anti-female bias here. So many myths and misconceptions surrounding population growth have continued to dominate a public discourse, even I think before the emergency, not just during and after the emergency. The family planning pro program is to a large extent still viewed through the lens of a population control rather than a reproductive rights and choice framework. So, um, <clears throat> As a result, the health system continues to focus on numbers and targets, even though our population policy clearly states, we've done a 2000 population national policy, clearly states that uh, we have done away with targets, but targets are still in people's minds, especially at the state and district level. As a result, the health system continues to focus on numbers, 
which are also induced by incentives at the cost of women's safety and the provision of quality services. So, you know, I want to underline that while this government is, you know, uh, is uh, paying undue attention and in a climate when we have data, we have enough data to show there isn't a population control. So it's rather curious why they're doing it, but they keep doing it. Uh, as a result, the health system, uh, no, no. So the shift in uh, the shift in thinking in India's policies, approaches and strategies has been shaped, should have been shaped. And actually, this national population policy is truly shaped by the International Conference on Population and Development held in Cairo in 1994, which argued for a paradigm shift from this earlier emphasis on um, population control and sustainable development. But unfortunately, at the state and district level, the mindset is different. And I would like to say, not in amongst the health bureaucracy. I am very impressed with the Indian health bureaucracy, whether it's in Nirman Bhavan, Ministry of Health and Family Welfare, or at the state level, we work very closely with the bureaucracy in Bihar and uh, uh, UP and we are and Rajasthan. And we are very, I, actually, we work in 24 states, but more, uh, you know, focused in these three states on family planning. And I, I am so impressed with the bureaucracy because they are data driven. They are driven by evidence. They seem to know what's happening in India, the world. They have analyzed the data as they should. And their views are very different from this population control, uh, coercive uh, policy. Yes, everybody agrees. Every bureaucrat thinks there should be population stabilization, as do we. Um, but how do you do it? Uh, if you create chaos like the population control bill, then, you know, your attention will completely, whatever little attention there is on uh, providing good quality families, planning services and uh, skilling, educating girls, the route to go and uh, uh, improving our public health systems to deal with um health issues of people and family planning issues, investing more money on uh, services and uh, investing on, in literacy, which is the best contraceptive pill, you'll be distracted by these uh, bills, which are so much noise. I'm so tired of the noise. Um, and, you know, we, I want to get back to work uh, uh, instead of, you know, having to just hear and deal with the noise. So an effective family planning um, uh, program is one which is responsive and client-centered. It is voluntary, offers a wide choice of contraceptive methods and ensures um, uh, supply of contraceptives at all levels of service delivery points. So it is important that a family planning program focuses on quality of uh, care, increasing access, providing a range of contraceptives and information, which is what our neighbors have done. You know, people in uh, neighboring countries uh, like uh, uh, Bangladesh, uh, Indonesia, with a very high percentage of Muslims, they stabilize their country uh, 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 through making 
a choice-based, good quality basket of uh, contraceptives available at the doorstep of the women in their countries. Um, Talking about more details on the sterilization issue, uh, you know, a disproportionate burden for the use of the modern methods of uh, contraception falls on Indian women alone. Um, Out of the modern methods, female sterilization is the most used method, which is 75%. And, you know, these women, the women who go through family, uh, sorry, sterilization, 77% of them have never experienced family planning. So what did they do for their spacing or uh, um, um, how how did they deal with unwanted pregnancies? So given that we have very few other, we have very few temporary methods. So tragically, one method that women use is abortion as a proxy for contraception. So you have 16.4 million abortions in India every year, which which is absolutely unacceptable and ridiculous, but an indicator that women do not wish to have uh, too many children or more children. While male sterilization is a easy procedure compared to female sterilization, the share of male sterilization methods is less than 1%. Can you imagine? And condoms is um, 12%, while um, the pills is 9%. And why is it so low? I mean, the only two that men can control uh, or use uh, uh, contraceptive methods uh, are uh, uh, sterilization, uh, sterilization, which is vasectomy, and the other is condoms. And so why is uh, why are they so low? And they have uh, condoms have no side effects, but in the imagination of the men, there's a side effect on their sexual uh, pleasure. That pleasure gets decreased. So for men, it's really only about the pleasure. And what about uh, protection? And protection, I mean, condom protects you not only from pregnancy, but condom also uh, uh, protects you from... um, uh, um, many diseases including HIV AIDS and men know more about condoms uh, than women because also you know um, during um, the peak of um, HIV AIDS pandemic uh, there was a lot of work on promoting condoms with men on, as far as vasectomy goes, they think that their libido will get decreased. I mean, this obsession with their virility and sexual pleasure is uh, for the men and for the women, it's getting, you know, having unwanted sex, often forced sex, getting pregnant. I'm not saying every woman has forced sex, but a large percentage of women do and have many of them end up getting pregnant as a result of forced sex. And you uh, have a situation that they also go through abortions. They go through uh, the process of birth. Every birth is a risk uh, in terms of possibilities of things going wrong. And, you know, maternal mortality is still high in India. It used to be about Two decades ago, it was close. It was more than 500 uh, women per 100,000 women. It has come down substantively now. And we will, uh, you know, it's a gain that will go away 
if um, uh, we don't do something and maternal mortality will increase and maternal mortality is something where for every woman who dies a maternal death there are 20 percent women who suffer you know uh, who, who live I, I always say live dying and suffer morbidities of extreme nature to more um, less extreme um, uh, so uh, finally what is left is injectable and only 0.4% of this method is used, but it is a new contraceptive, considering that it was launched in the country recently. And uh, the data that we have is from NFHS4, and hopefully NFHS5 will give us more data. And, you know, um, uh, what I was saying earlier about men, uh, I want to also make a point that men do not participate in discussions about family planning and the onus is on women to use contraceptives only. Women often lack the power to seek services and resources to pay for them, though they are seen as responsible for family planning. However, men remain the primary, as we all know, decision makers for women's health, whereby, in fact, 40% of men in India think it is a woman's responsibility to avoid getting pregnant. Um, but, you know, isn't it a male responsibility too, especially since men have the pleasure of the, um, uh, of, 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 of sex? Uh, male methods in particular are surrounded uh, by myths and misconceptions. And clearly we need to do something about it. And many men resist, as I said earlier, vasectomy due to the myth that the procedure causes physical weakness or impotence and reduces virility and capability. And this is interpreted all as th their inability and their reduces their capability to provide for his for the household. In fact, you know, many many men I've spoken to who have convinced about vasectomy or others have convinced. Actually, the wives end up saying, nay, 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 weak ho jayenge. My man will become weak, you know, who will earn money. So these poor innocent women think that their men are going to get physically weak. I mean, they're not thinking of virility. They're thinking of, you know, they're interpreting this as weakness. So it's a complete chaos. Uh, I mean, we really, it leads to complete misinformation and the kind of chaos we are seeing um, in our public health system and family planning. And NFHS 4, in fact, uh, also shows that the wanted fertility uh, uh, rate in the country is 1.8, which means that women do want to not do do not want to have more than two children how however given the high unmet need for family planning which is 13 percent by the way is a huge number when you convert it uh, uh, into numbers um, and these are currently married women in the age group 15 to 49 13 percent do not uh, uh, wish to have uh, additional babies. In fact, they wish to delay or avoid a pregnancy, but do not have access to contraceptives. You spoke about uh, education being the best contraceptive pill. Could you explain this link to us a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, as literacy rates increase and girls stay in school, age at marriage also uh, increases. Um, uh, and uh, if you correlate the fertility rates 
with each year of education, a woman has fewer children. And this is not just in India. It's all over the world. So even if you, if they don't have access to family planning services, but the worst is often they get pregnant and then get, um, you know, um, um, uh, they have to get abortions. So contraception is important, but the minute a woman gets educated, not the minute, in the process of education, sorry, it doesn't take a minute for a woman to get educated. I don't want to mislead uh, our listeners. Uh, the, the education is closely correlated to a reduction in number of babies, whether women go out and get uh, sub- family planning services from uh, um, um, uh, private sector or public sector uh, or go to a distance or they practice um, uh, abstinence or they practice, uh, um, you know, uh, they negotiate with their uh, husbands or partners, uh, family um, 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 uh, uh, contraceptive methods. They get bigger, they get the agency to negotiate, which is a, a very important link missing in our uh, uh, amongst uh, the relationship between men and women in India where women have no as I said earlier um, agency to make decisions Uh, it is the men who make the decisions but at the same time it is women whose responsibility it is so won't there be chaos but educated women can negotiate family planning not just with their uh, uh, partners and husbands, but they can also negotiate by accessing family planning services and getting their partners to agree. You also spoke to us about uh, China, which is an off-quoted example of government regulations over family size. Are there, uh, what has the experience of country, other countries in Asia, apart from China, been with family planning and population control? So let me start with Bangladesh. You know, Bangladesh in the last two decades um, um, brought down its fertility rates um, consistently and drastically from 6 to 2.2, close to 2.1, sometimes minus, sometimes fluctuating, hovering around a replacement level. How did they do it? They did it by um, uh, giving a basket of choice. Like when India had five contraceptives until two years ago, uh, two, three years ago, uh, and those two new contraceptives have hardly got rolled out. Um, uh, Bangladesh, Indonesia, Bhutan, they had close to eight methods, and especially the two new modern methods, which women find very convenient, which is one is... um, uh, implants and the other is injectables and there is a subcutaneous one which uh, there is one sorry with which is self-used you know you can inject it yourself uh, uh, it's an injectable and uh, India hasn't introduced it yet but Bangladesh and many other countries had and you know implant is a very convenient uh, method for uh, women uh, it is reversible so you can have it put and uh, for three years or five years, and you can also have it removed um, um, uh, when you want, uh, if you wish to. So there are two types. Uh, there are many types of implant, but in terms of uh, their life, 
is for three years and five years, two different ones. And 18% of the women, for instance, in Bhutan use um, implants. In Bangladesh, it's close to 24%. India, all we have is sterilization, <laughs> as we discussed earlier when we looked at the data. <coughs> Sri Lanka is another good example. They invested in literacy in a big way and kept their girls in schools and then on to college. There, there was an auto, that was their, their contraceptive pill and they also worked very hard on increasing age at marriage. They postponed age at marriage very successfully. None of these were done with coercion, no difficulty. Then, um, you know, uh, Brazil is a very interesting country. I know it's not Asia, but I uh, would you allow me to give an example of Brazil? Yes, ma'am, absolutely. So Brazil, uh, you know, did these, had a fertility rate uh, in uh, the early 90s, again, close hovering between 6 and 7. I think it was 6.5. And in four to five years, they quickly brought down the birth rates. And, you know, we tried to look at what was the Brazil phenomena. And one major influence was the entertainment, education and soaps that they brought on television. You know, soaps were very popular. Not only are they popular in Brazil and were very popular then, but, you know, they had very nice soaps they used to make. I've seen a few. I went back to see a few. Uh, when I started making soaps 20 years later, which is more recently. And I found that uh, the behavior change and challenging of social norms was done very well in their soaps. I also, uh, and, and there were studies to show that challenging social norms and changing social norms had a huge impact on how people behave. So, you know, I'd heard about this a little bit, but when I decided uh, to about in 2014, that I was very frustrated. I said, you know, change for women and women's agency and behavior, it's so incremental. And when we make some gains, we go back by many years and then we, you know, get a little bit of, you know, half a gain and we are maintaining that gain. You know, just like in family planning, you know, we managed to get uh, uh, the government to agree on doing away with sterilization camps after the Bilaspur tragedy where women died in uh, uh, sterilization camps. A large number of women died and got sick in uh, uh, Chhattisgarh. You know, and, and there was a fantastic judgment by Justice Lukur on making the government accountable to bring in more methods and do all the things we had been shouting and screaming and pleading and begging for for 30, 40 years. Nothing happened in India on family planning in terms of further uh, change. And then we find we are going back not half a step, we are going back many steps by bringing in these draconian uh, uh, laws, but having the wrong conversation, doing the wrong diagnosis. So I decided to make a soap. And I didn't know where the money would come from. Uh, so called Me Kuch Bhi Kar Sakti Hoon for Doordarshan. But I got free uh, airtime from Doordarshan. Uh, I got uh, the best director in India you could have found for doing something like this, Feroz Abbas Khan, who's a, you know, who made Gandhi my father and who made, uh, who's done some of the leading 
most popular plays in India like Mughle Azam, Mahatma versus Gandhi and various other brilliant plays. I got him, hold of him and twisted his head and arms, which sane person would like to make a soap on family planning and a soap called Main Kuch Bhi Kar Sakti Hoon. And not only did he get addicted to it, we ended up making three seasons, 52 in each episode. In last season, in fact, we made 72 episodes. So we were on radio, we were on TV. And you know, We've evaluated these programs that came and Doordarshan was very cooperative and they dubbed it into 10 regional languages and so on. It's made a huge impact in giving women agency. Just the first 52 episodes led to women in the most backward communities. Who watches Doordarshan? Na? People who can't afford and who are in media dark areas by and large. The 8% women in three months wanted to, uh, uh, sorry, six months said they could negotiate fam um, condoms and family planning methods with their husbands. So, you know, uh, people are ready, the women are ready for a change. And the other half has written how, has seen how the better half lives. So a lot of parts of countries, including South Africa, um, uh, uh, Kenya, Nigeria, have used uh, uh, entertainment education to change social norms around family planning and sexual and reproductive health. That sounds fantastic, ma'am. Thank you so much for speaking to us today. Sure, pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.